Welcome to the Apple of Truth, our weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while celebrating the great parts, pointing out the bad parts, and answering questions you never even knew you had. I'm Lena. And I'm Vero. And we can't wait to share our love and hate for your favorite characters. Today we're talking about Season 4, Episode 3. Oh, ye of little fate, father. I don't have anything for this title, so I'm just gonna transition us right into the summary. Lucifer struggles with Chloe's betrayal and behavior. Chloe finally breaks open and is honest about her state of mind. Linda is terrified with being pregnant. Amenadiel is his overbearing but caring usual self. And Mace supports Dan's transition to the dark side. A lot of our characters get space in this episode and I like it. I'm totally here for it, I have to say. Even though, surprise, I have my issues. Obviously, we're gonna talk about them and I hope that we have the same issues. But... Before we get to the issues, let's talk about the obsessions. And I have decided to go with treason this time uh, this time around. Ooh, I went with revealing the truth. Ooh. This week's For the Facts and Fun, we have first time director Jessica... I'm so sorry, I'm going to butcher this name. Borshitsky? It's Z-Z-K-Y at the end, and I have no idea how to pronounce that. Chiki, I'd say. Borschki. Borschki? Yes! Can you say Jessica? Jessica Borschki? Thank you very much. It's possible that she doesn't pronounce it that way because that may have been just... It's probably way closer than what I made of it because my pronunciation is shit. Sadly, she's not going to return for another episode. This is her one and only Lucifer credit. We have ninth time writer Jason Ning returning, who most importantly wrote God Johnson. Yay, we love everybody who worked on God Johnson. Exactly. The title is said, of course, by Lucifer, putting us two out of three. Ain't bad. Meat love reference. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. There's always time for a meat love reference. Sure. The poster for the Chewbacca Soundalike contest has a picture of a dog and not a picture of a Wookiee. Maybe they didn't have the rights or they didn't want to pay for the rights or something. Or, you know, maybe Lucifer was just too lazy to find a chewy picture rather than a dog picture. Or maybe he thought it's the same thing. Although I doubt that because he's very much versed on the pop culture. So I assume it's for legal reasons why they didn't use that. That concludes the facts and funds for this week. Cool. So that means that time has come for previously on Lucifer. Trixie and Mace are friends, Ella stopped going to church, Dan started becoming a douche again, Linda found out she's pregnant with Ames's baby and told him, and Kinley was trying to convince Chloe to send Lucy back to hell, but after she told him she can't do it, he approached Lucifer himself. Short and on point. Nice. And this is... This is just so infuriating. This episode started, and we drop immediately back to the penthouse where we finished last time. I immediately got super anxious. I just did not understand what was happening. What was the end play? I was just... I misinterpreted Kinley's intentions. I thought that his only intention was to drive a wedge between Lucifer and Chloe Mm. with making her betrayal public to him. I did not expect this to be a very elaborate ploy to out Lucifer to another parishioner. To a third party, yeah. But I have to point out, the last priest 
Lucifer had direct contact with, he actually liked because that was Father Frank. Mm-hmm. Because Father Frank was amazing and the best. Yeah, but so I wonder if that is one of the reasons that Lucy is even willing to listen to Kinley. Mm, it's possible. He doesn't really per se listen to him, though. I mean, the thing is, and I kind of credit Kinley quite a lot in this scene because he's an amazing asshole. I love him. He knows that he doesn't have to get Lucifer to rage and convince him immediately that something is happening or something is wrong. He knows that all he needs to do is to sow a seed of doubt, which is exactly what he does. And Lucy doesn't believe him until Chloe lies into his face. So he has it in the back of his mind. And this is all Kinley needed. So yeah, well played, Kinley. This round's definitely going to you. So while I really enjoy Kinley being this perfect type of hateable asshole, I knew in this moment that this is going to be the kind of conflict that I like the least Mm -hmm. because it would be dealt with very, very easy if Lucifer and Chloe just talk honestly with each other, which is not happening. And it never was happening before. Until the very, very end. By that point, they are so polluted in their awareness of each other and the conception of each other that Chloe being honest with Lucifer results in him overreacting. Let's talk about when we get to it because I don't agree with that. I don't think that this is the reason for their separation at the end. But yeah, definitely agree on the fact that they should have talked to each other much, much sooner. And the upset that this causes is definitely a direct result of them not communicating and expecting that the other is gonna understand or catch on to some super stupid hints. My complaint is not for the characters, it's for the writing because this is a very lazy shorthand for storytelling and And I have come to expect better of Lucifer's writing room. Well, we move on to the precinct. And well, speaking of a little bit of a laser writing, I have loved how they dealt with the dropping the little hints that Ella's not going to church in the last episode. They did it twice just to make sure it comes across, but it was subtle enough. And in this moment, they have the need to spell it out, which shame Shame, because I feel like we all got it. We all knew that Ella has her Sundays free for a specific reason. She has said them multiple times that that she is not still right with the big guy. And I don't think they needed to spell it out for us. But unrelated to her going to church or not going to church, she's fucking hungover. And I did not expect Chloe to know Trekkie speak because she references Romulan Ale, which is Romulan is a race in Star Trek. And okay. Romulan Ale is one of the drinks. So I was very surprised that Chloe is in a no with the Trekkie references. I feel like Ella might have done that before because this sounds like Ella. So maybe that's where the knowledge stems from. Or, you know, maybe Chloe is a secret Trekkie. We don't know. So I really enjoyed that. And also the part with Dan is actually very meta because Dan, when he is complaining about it's not funny and da, 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 and he's bad and evil and blah, he doesn't know, but he is kind of close with his assumptions. And Chloe knows, but she's trying to see him differently. So I really like the juxtapositioning <laughs> of one character being in the know and trying willfully to be different about her approach and one character not being in the know and being actually really close to the actual thing. So I like 
like that. Yeah. I feel in this moment we get the whole uh, Lucifer is maybe trying to win Dan back by playing a prank on him, which is very Luciferish in fairness. And this is the first time where we see Chloe deliberately trying to excuse Lucifer and trying to, in her mind, make him a better person than he actually is, because this is what she right now seems to need in order to be able to accept him, which, in my opinion, is complete bullshit. But here we go. This is the start of it. It's her coping mechanism, and on a certain level, it's understandable. For me, the most important part in this entire scene, both with Ella and with Dan, is that Chloe now is not as preoccupied with her terror of Lucifer that she can actually realize that her friends are suffering. Mm. And so she finally cares about her friends again and is reaching out and is trying. So that is very nice to see because both Ella and Dan need someone to care about them very, very much. Yeah, that's true. Well, we move over to Lux. We see Aminadiel brooding at the bar, which made exactly zero sense to me because from what I remember, he seemed to be very happy about the kid and suddenly he's just all over, over worrying, trying to question shit. Instead of talking to his best friend, who is a human and a father, it made zero sense to me that he is in Lux instead of asking Dan for advice. I think this was more about him thinking that Linda may possibly be a celestial, which obviously is a bullshit and immediately gets debunked by Lucifer. It's just, it feels like he is trying to find excuses of what happened and he is trying to go for things that would make him look better. And he can't really talk. You know, like, he was still an angel. He definitely wasn't human. He was always an angel. And this is the only reason why Linda got pregnant, because she was also an angel. It just felt like... I did not read this scene and interaction like that at all. He is completely in over his head. He has no idea how to deal with the situation. It never occurred to him that as an angel, he would be able to impregnate a human because Lucifer has been fucking around for centuries and never anything happened. And the fact that when losing his wings, he apparently became human enough to impregnate someone does not have precedence. So I did not read it as a menadial trying to make himself look better or explaining the situation away. He is completely overwhelmed and he is looking for help, which is why I don't understand that he's not talking to Dan. Because he literally says to Lucifer that he has no idea how to be a father. When Lucifer tells him, like, at least you're not going to be as bad as our dad and a menadial goes like how how do you know i have no idea what i'm doing yeah well maybe it's because dan has his own things and he rejected him last episode maybe it's because ames is trying to connect it to something celestial and therefore he feels like he can't talk to dan about it many reasons why it could be this way but yeah you're right it's like he should have just talked to the one good father exactly that he knows i mean storytelling wise i understand because apparently they're going with then going dark side storyline and with amenadiel being actively in contact with dan that wouldn't be as easy so they can 
not connect them as much. But I'm against it. <laughs> Especially if he'd be around to bring out the father side, because I feel like Dan being a father was always the thing that anchored him to the good and to the light. He can't go dark side and be a good father to Trixie at the same time. Yeah. So, yeah. So I understand it from a narrative point of view, but I'm still against it. <laughs> but now let's go to the crime scene. <sighs> that fucking crime scene. That fucking crime scene. When they start with that scene and they are talking about the fucking flask, mm. that he shouldn't be drinking so much. And it's just... Ah, uh, I'm in all caps mode because I was so annoyed because it's all deflection and denial and like, smokes and mirrors instead of talking about the actual shit. And uh, I was so annoyed. I was so annoyed. It's the start of the entire episode. Yes. Them trying to pretend there is some other reason they're doing what they're doing. But again... A confirmation he only drinks because he likes the taste and even when chloe is around alcohol does not affect him seems like or at least not in normal human levels he has to drink a liquor store yep so we have that fun conversation happening and then we stand over the body with ella and she is stepping into it as much as i hated the intro to the scene i adore lucifer's reaction to the case because him going a bit on the nose it's like why yes lucifer thank you for acknowledging that this case is very on the nose and exactly mirroring your and chloe's situation which of course in retrospect makes sense because the whole thing was orchestrated but i had forgotten that so i was like yeah <laughs> i really liked that we had ella with the whole tequila situation kind of calling herself out and then yes, obviously, everything was just completely on the nose. And not even Kinley could have planned that, to be honest. He has God on his side. He can plan everything. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, this is what leads up to Chloe lying to Lucifer. And he catches it instantly. Stupid! Stupid! I mean, honestly, I would expect Chloe to be smarter. I mean, I feel like if she would have anticipated any of this, she would have just come clean. But no, I don't condone this at all. She should have just say, let's talk about it later because I we need to sit, have a conversation about this. Let's sit down and talk instead of, nothing is happening. I'm so innocent. Ugh. It's not that I expected Chloe to be aware that Kinley might do shitty things behind her back. No, she spent several years with Lucifer and his uncanny ability to point out liars. Not to mention that she knows him for years and she also therefore knows that lie is the worst thing that for Lucifer exists. Like yeah. he doesn't despise anybody more than liars. And yet here we go. And also he easily calls lies out. So lying to him is not very smart. I mean, yeah, but like in all fairness, he always had troubles figuring her out. But so that Has she might ever lied be to him. I don't think she lied to him on anything important but you know she could think oh he can't read you know my emotions or whatever oh, he he can't whatever so that i might get away with a little white lie or something but it doesn't excuse this it's not behavior. really a white lie to not mention the fact that you talk to a priest about sending the devil back to hell yeah exactly. so i expected her to be 
smarter, but I guess we need the tension for this episode. We get the title card, and apparently with the move to Netflix after title card, we now always go to a new scene, which is therapy time. Yay. Can I just say, children are all sociopaths. Well, parenting sounds so wonderful. But this scene, most importantly, just reconfirms my position. Normal patients are endangered when they go to see Linda. And she should not have normal, vanilla, fragile humans as patients. I didn't see any danger in the situation. But yeah, sure, you can keep thinking that. <laughs> This is my hill and I'm gonna die on it. Yep. Well, Lucifer barges in and talks about about himself and again I say I'm just glad that he's talking to someone about it and especially that the someone is Linda who can actually try to help him and she says exactly what I would tell him talking would help talk to mm -hmm. Chloe yep we are all on that side and I love that she asks where he has this information from and he straight up says a complete stranger told me without batting an eye It's like, dude, do you realize how flimsy the ground is you're standing on? A stranger in a profession that you abhor told you something bad about the person that you love. Mm -hmm. Like, seriously, this is the hill you're standing on, Lucifer? This is absolutely sounds like Lucifer. 100%. I could not imagine him taking it any differently. But with that, we have a song for the next change of scenes. Unless you had something else to add to this. As if I would ever be silent if I had something more to say, you know. That was very sweet of you. And the song's name is Don't Let Me Down. And it's oh, right. by Stella and the Storm. This is fascinating because it is a third song from the same album in the last two episodes. Ooh. It feels like Netflix has bought this entire album and just yeah. using the shit out of it. I really, really adored this scene because it was hurt. It was painful and it was sweet and it was painful again because then projecting Charlotte onto this case was really, really heartbreaking. But also it makes sense. And then at the very end of the scene with Ella taking off the cross and actually leaving the room with the cross remaining on the table. It's the climax of her breaking with her faith. Mm -hmm. And... While then, when he points out that she's still wearing the cross and basically calling her a hypocrite, he is aware that this might not have been the best thing to point out to her, but he is too busy with his own pain to be able to be there for Ella. And so this scene was very, very good, but also very, very painful. I just hope that both of them find someone that actually takes time out of their day to care for them because they need it and they deserve it and they shouldn't be dealing alone with their shit. Yeah, I'm getting mad at Dan, to be honest, because in this scene, I get that he's in pain and he noticed how much it hurt Ella, what he said. He saw it, he reacted to it and yet he just runs away from the situation and doesn't even make a hint of an effort to try to... He doesn't have the capacity to care anymore. But they are both hurting they're both hurting for the same reason yeah but she doesn't have the capacity to help him and he doesn't have the capacity to help her no he doesn't let her to help him she wanted to talk about it yeah in her usual no 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 no. she said this is actually not what i wanted to say because i'm not actually you know i'm not doing well with the big guy 
She said, this is not what I was going to say. Yeah, I'm not sure if that is what I actually believe anymore, is what she says. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not sure is not, I don't believe it anymore. So she is still very used to her approaches. Like with I don't the, think with she the hugging and I'm not saying that she would have said that. I think we should just skip this. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, no, like I just... You're I'm, angry I'm just... with Dan. I'm completely understanding for yeah. both sides. I mean, I get it. I get that he's hurting, but it just made me mad at this moment. Ugh. Yeah, well, we are following the lead and go to the marina. And we get a song as we are walking to the marina called You're the Bomb by Coalition. And uh, it is a YouTube only song. I did find it on iTunes. So if you guys have iTunes, you can find it there. And if you have iTunes, you can leave us reviews there. And we really appreciate it because nothing helps as much as iTunes reviews. What a segue. Sorry, when you mentioned iTunes, I kind of have to plug that. Fair. I really like the song. I try to find out more about it. And apparently the only place on the internet it exists is iTunes and YouTube. So, you know, good luck. I love that in this scene, we are now just completely freely and openly projecting onto the case and they are both aware that they're projecting and they are both actively using the case to project on and talk about issues with the other person. So this is now apparently an established way of communication between the two of them and I'm here for it. Yeah, I hate it. It makes me mad that they don't talk But at they all. are talking. They're not talking about the things that they should be talking about. Like, they're, I, I get why they're doing what they're doing again, but Jesus, just sit the fuck down and have a fucking conversation about what's actually on your mind. It was very frustrating for me this episode, I have to admit. It is a return back to Linda. We get Mace with her pink hair and the look is amazing. I have it on a t-shirt. It's great. I love it. I love it. I want to cosplay it. And the entire approach that Mace has to the childbirth and everything, it's just this scene, mwah, so good. Made me so happy. The thing is, I'm mostly happy that Linda instantly told Mace about the pregnancy mm. and didn't keep it from her because like I said last episode that I worry how Mace is gonna react to Linda having a baby mm-hmm. I'm slightly annoyed that apparently denial is Linda's go-to thing with anything and she's very much in denial about the whole pregnancy she is pushing it away it's months 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 away in the future it's like not that far in the future girl this just is a repeat complaint from my part that mm. Linda not dealing is something that I'm extremely against I agree with you that Maze is hilarious at everything, especially in this setting of the episode. Also, I think that it's going to be a fun plot in the future, the whole Maze kind of being interested in the child and the childbirth in her own way. So I'm quite excited about that. We go to the precinct and... Lucifer is really, really obvious with everything he's doing. And I feel like the only reason Chloe's not picking up on it yet is that she has her own agenda that she's hammering down. And it is, again, a bit of a dance that they're doing that I find not as enjoyable to watch anymore. So I get really excited when I hear about the next murder. (laughs) 
it's hilarious because I really, really like the scene. We get the phone call confirmation that there is a new victim. And so the CEO dude is most likely innocent. Mm -hmm. They talk about the second victim that it's also a former gang member. And instantly my mind goes to the dude they met at the first crime scene. Mm -hmm. It better not be the one helping them get out. Because... I'm so sick and tired of the supposed good one, like the marshal and the oh fuck um, prosecutor with Ella's brother mm. and everything. Like, and now this is the third case where the supposedly good supporting person is actually a shithead. I'm a bit tired of it. I have to say. That's fair. Because it was I mean, so obvious. So I was like... Nah. Out of like 50 episodes, that's not so bad. It is when the last one was the Marshall from last episode or from the previous episode. Like when it was Sasha Royce. Episode one, right? Two episodes yeah, ago. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So twice in three episodes. I mean, come on. Uh, I kind of like that the motivation here is a little bit different because that still surprised me. I did have my suspicions since the very beginning because I had a hint of a memory, just a little whisper of a memory. Again, that's the second time. It will have something to do with this, but I had no idea about the details and I actually, yeah, my mind did not go back to him right now. I agree with you that the actual plan that Kinley devised is really, really great, but it would just have been nice if it hadn't been this obvious that it's this dude that is involved somehow. But what I really, really loved was Chloe going, let's focus on the things we can control. Because that is actually a really, really healthy approach. Mm. And if she weren't so focused on changing Lucifer, because that is something that she cannot control. So if she were listening to what she's actually saying and following her own advice, it would be amazing. But at least she's saying it to others who need to hear it. At this point in the episode, I really liked Chloe Mm. because I hadn't expected her to spiral as much as she did. But this moment, I'm on team Chloe mid. Yay! (laughs) And we go over to Lucifer confronting the CEO guy because since he's not in the meeting, he missed the information that it's not him. So he does the desire thing and he gets the information and then Brody hugs him. And it's so awkward. I loved it so much. When Brody hugs him and just exhales. And Lucifer's just standing there like, what's happening? (laughs) Why? See, I again was kind of surprised about this twist because I remembered that he did something bad but I did not remember this was it and somehow I have expected him to be the one who somehow outed the victim to the lost exes Susan to the lost exes therefore he is the reason why she's dead so it was just surprise so I really appreciated that then uh, Chloe comes up and asks Lucifer out to do something special and I was like zero recollection whatsoever of what they were gonna do and it just drove me crazy but I hated the phrasing because it felt so extremely explicit over the top that he is gonna think she's gonna try to murder him or something and it even gets worse later on with the the soup kitchen oh yeah and I mean this is from the man who wrote God Johnson how? because I really like this episode but in some parts the dialogue feels too wanted 
you know? Mm. Yeah. And, you know, you have That's to remember one... that he may be the main writer, but he's probably not the only person working on that episode. So maybe those dialogues, those specific ones, were written by somebody else. But so we leave this scene with the, ooh, she has a surprise for him. What's ever gonna be? And we go back to Linda and she has another patient getting out. And there is a manadeal sitting, waiting. And he went shopping. And now we're going to have another disagreement because in my perception, Linda is completely freaking out by being pressured to face the whole pregnancy stuff. She's not talking about it. She doesn't want to talk about it. She is insisting on that she's always doing everything herself. Why should this be any different? She is unhealthily independent. She is obsessively refusing to talk about this and she's not facing the situation. And this is fucking denial. I don't think that she's not facing the situation. She just chooses to face the situation on her own. I think. I've been in a situation like that. It's difficult to accept help if you're used to doing things yourself and if you are not ready to you know if you're still processing certain facts within yourself it makes it more difficult if other people are trying to approach it and bring it up on the outside personally I don't think it's denial I think that everything you said checks out but I wouldn't call it denial personally but I think that might be just a approach thing so I had a different feeling in this scene about Linda And that was that she might be considering not keeping the baby. That's why she didn't want to talk about it. I thought about this later on when she's at the doctor's. Mm. I'm gonna talk about it when we are at that scene. Okay. This is just something that occurred to me in this moment. So I just wanted to mention that. You know why it didn't come to me in this moment? Because she says, I told you that you're the father of the baby because you deserve to know. Mm-hmm. If she is considering abortion, he would also deserve to know. Yes, but she didn't make any decisions yet. The reason why I thought about it now is that she probably doesn't even know herself what she wants to do. So she doesn't want to involve him in a decision that is yet to be you know approached so it would not be completely off the table for me but yeah I mean anyway Linda has approaching it a certain way and she definitely is unhealthily independent in this situation we move over to the precinct where Trixie is helping Maze make very, very important decisions because Maze wants to be some kind of godmother I'm gonna call it which, I mean, can you imagine anything more amazing and scary than Mace as your godmother? A hundred percent on board with it. Please, please, Mace. I fucking love it. I fucking, fucking love it. Dan coming in with, what did we talk about? Like, my daughter and I, what, these are not for Trixie, they're for baby. Like, duh. So Mace's perception of the fragility of human life is still very, very off and not in tune with reality. But hey, that's how we're dealing with her. Even though in my mind it makes no sense. Because she's a master torturer. She knows exactly how much a human body can take. And how fragile human bodies are. But not gonna go off that record again. And Trixie goes. But not before Mace slips her the knife. The which is knife. just perfect. I love their dynamic. And I love that they're back to being besties. Yes. 100%. Also, I was like... Mm. Maybe you're a bit late, Dan, because 
maybe there was a lot of knife situations involved in their friendships a while back because we've seen that training session. So Dan trying to be all alpha in this situation is so not working and I'm here for it. He's posturing because he is struggling with his life and May is obviously not taking any shit from him. Instead, she is definitely going to take him off the book again. And this we're gonna have to talk about when it happens because I have opinions. I had fun. We are at the start of this adventure, so once we get into the thick of it, we can talk about it some more. In the meantime, though... Lucifer, for some reason that I do not understand, comes to confront Kinley again? He doesn't come to confront him, he comes to tell him that he wasn't bothered by what he was saying, when in fact he was very bothered by what he was saying. But why? Because when it comes to Chloe, he is extremely insecure, so Dan is not the only one posturing, Lucifer is also posturing. So he's literally talking to everybody but Chloe about Chloe. Yes. It's just... Yes. Linda is talking to no one, Lucifer is talking to everyone. That's not true, Linda's talking to Mace, in a way. Not about the pregnancy. Yeah, that's true. Um, So there is some fun mirroring happening in this episode, which I'm not surprised because the actual writing is really good, just sometimes the dialogue feels clunky. Speaking of dialogue, we obviously get the title drop here. And I really enjoyed the fact that Lucifer throws a cigarette butt into the water you used to uh, cross yourself, like into the basin. Mm -hmm. So very nice touch, Lucifer. (laughs) Very petty. (laughs) What's the name of the water? I have no idea. Is it holy water just? Yes, it is holy water. Yeah. Is there there no special name for it? There is no... This is literally the only place in the church you can find holy water. Okay. So that's Um, specifically, yeah. (laughs) So I thought there was a fancy name for it and not just holy water. It's just holy water. Okay. So I'll adore the fact that he's throws his cigarette butt into the basin full of holy water because now they're gonna have to change it out, right? (laughs) And again, in this moment, I wondered if him being willing to engage with Kinley at all has something to do with Father Frank. That is a possibility that I did not think of and it feels like it might be true, at least partially. So that is something that went through my head. But then, of course, Lucifer leaves and Kinley speaks about the prophecy to another dude that just shows up. And of course, I go... What prophecy? Yeah, well, before Lucifer leaves, Kinley mentions a lot of details of the plan. And it feels like that was supposed to be the original plan. And I just got really confused again because he just kept throwing me off the scent every single time that I... And this is what makes him so good. Every single time I felt like, oh, I finally figured out what he's trying to do. He just comes in and does something completely out of what I expect. I think Kinley is my favorite villain so far in the show. He is very good. And then the other priest comes in and I just went into all cuts. It's like, unless this is all part of his plan. But it does feel very convoluted. You know, he is relying a lot on chance and expecting people behave in a certain way. And it's more than one person. And then it's going to bite him in a butt as we're going to see at the end. But like, it feels like it's very complicated, but it's not that great, the plan. It's a plan of a fanatic. 100%. Yeah. So, yeah. Whew, a lot of feelings about this scene. 
Did you have feelings about the prophecy mentioned? I didn't really pay attention to it, no. I instantly was like, ah, what prophecy? Ah, reward. I just knew they're going to mention it eventually. So I was like, nah, we'll get to it. Sometimes you're so patient compared to me. I know, because I hyperfixate on other things. That's so important that the two of us hyperfixate on different parts of these things. This is why our episodes are extremely long. What? I have no idea what you're talking about. (gasps) We are now halfway through the episode and we move over to Chloe's surprise. And I mean, come on, it doesn't matter what your intentions are or your plan is or whatever. Just forgive me is a shit intro to everything. Mm-hmm. This is one of the few things that I actually really disliked in this episode. Yeah. Also, it's just so obvious that this is not gonna be what they're painting it to be. It's just yeah. so... Oh. It's ham-handed. Yeah. It's ham-handed. Yeah. And this is the one part of this episode I actively disliked. Yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah, so it let's is... move away from yeah. this because... Can I? Can I? Go for it. Because we're now going off the book and Dad going in... Cocky Dan is sexy Dan. Yeah, I do love a bit of a dickhead Dan. I mean, come on. Especially when he's not directing it towards people I like. This was just so good. The way he walks in there with the cocky grin on his face and being completely not bothered by the threat of the people around him and then just knocking the other guy straight in the face so the bossman shows up like see that wasn't so hard fuck me i was so into him yeah it was very very good and then about halfway through the scene we get a song called and i'm sorry for the pronunciation quien es quien by ray l vikingo and the name for it stands for who is who for those who didn't take spanish in high school like me never had spanish it's a great language And with the song playing, Dan lets loose and has fucking fun. And Mace drops in from like second floor. But even before she drops in, I feel like this is actually really good for him. He can let off some steam. Yes, 100%. The moment he is in danger to be overwhelmed with too many people fighting against him, Mace drops in, fucking superhero landing. So amazing. So good. So here for it. And the hair! Her hair is so good this episode. I love it so much. So they start kicking butts and taking names. Then when they have cleared up, new people come in and we know, oh my, they're just gonna have more fun. It's just so good. And then sadly, we have to go away from them and go back to the surprise. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah. Let's get this out of the way. Okay. They are at the soup kitchen and thankfully they don't actually do anything there because I would have hated that. It would not make sense for the characters. It just wouldn't. Also, don't annoy people at soup kitchens. They don't have enough volunteers anyway, so maybe don't have Lucifer fuck it up. So I'm very, very happy that they just walk past it and they finally start talking, even though the conversation doesn't go as I would have hoped it should go. And so he confronts her, she still lies to him, and then he asks to see her purse. And I did not expect her to still have the vial on her. So even if, and this is still the moment when I watched it and I wasn't sure and I was convinced that half convinced that it was broken or empty. Even if it wasn't, why is it in her purse? Why didn't she give it back to Kinley? Or why didn't she toss it? Exactly. Exactly. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. 
to me. I can understand the reasoning behind it because this might feel like a security blanket because as she at the end of the episode says she is terrified of him. So this might be like the loaded gun underneath your pillow. Yes, but also I don't know. Also it's extremely in contrast with her stopping him as emotional as she does from drinking it. This is something that at the end of the episode annoys me that Lucifer doesn't count that reaction in. Like she cares. Yes, she's terrified and everything. We're going to talk about it at the end. But her being like, no, don't, should count for something. Not much, but at least something. And in the middle of this conversation, when they actually start talking, obviously her phone is ringing and it's Dan. And I actually really appreciated that she goes like, Dan, can I call you back? This is not really a good time. I'm like in the middle of something. But obviously Dan giving that lead, they have to follow up on this. So the conversation has to wait. That was actually very satisfying for me. It made yeah. sense that this is how the conversation stops. And we cut over to Dan and Mace and damn, they cleaned up that room. Mm-hmm. Yep, very good. Very good moments where Mace is playing with the blades that she took away from somebody and Dan is wiping away the blood from his face. It's very macho and it's very good. But with that brief moment of fun, we go back to the most uncomfortable situation ever. In the car, we are listening to a song throughout this called Haunted by Adona. Which describes Lucifer's facial expression to a T. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously Lucifer is pissed. But they get to the house. They get inside the house. Obviously Lucifer doesn't want Chloe to follow because he wants to let his anger reign. And then the dude starts talking back. And the way he phrases the stuff. Hmm... I was just like, whoa, whoa, wait, what? Is he working for Kinley? That was my first thought. And then Chloe finds another way in and we get him self-impaling his face on a broken chair. And I was just... <laughs> I, no, 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 no. No, I'm out. I'm out. No, thank you. Have fun. Ah, oh, that was so good. Nope. <sighs> ew, 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 ew. So let me walk you through this scene once more. Yes, please. Tom Ellis has an amazing thousand yards there when they're in the car Mm -hmm. and I feel like this is not the first time that we've seen this and actually appreciate that this look as painful as it is actually feels kind of familiar (laughs) and then like you said you have this whole conversation and it became very obvious to me this is a trap Mm -hmm. because Kinley mentions a trap before so I feel like that was in the back of our minds I didn't catch that so maybe subconsciously Mm -hmm. he says the trap is set oh right and luckily Lucifer also catches on. Like, you want me to hurt you. You want me to punish you. And the fanatic, I have no other word for him, the fanatic turns over to the mirror, which made it very obvious to me that there's either a camera or someone behind the mirror. Yeah, I expect a camera. And he starts talking about, like, us, like, plural. And so it's a trap. It's by the priests because only religious fanatics act this way with the I have failed shadunk onto ah, that share leg. And I mean, I feel like the move over to Netflix does not only give us more eye candy, it also gives us more gore. Mm-hmm. I mean, we did have some gory shit before. but Yeah, but not like this. Nah. And I am here for it. Nah. You're not, apparently. No, no. Por vero. It's just you. So we move away from the impaled head on leg of chair, the shish kebab, and we go back to... <laughs> the facial expression on Vero is priceless. 
So, if you are a prophet and you join us for one of our video hangouts, maybe if you want to see that facial expression, now you know what to talk about. We move over to Dan and Mace leaving the scene of their fighting. And Dan is really feeling it. And he refers to himself as Darker Dan, which is kind of corny, but why not? Give me the double D. Um, I will give sorry. you the double D. I will give you a triple D if you want. Detective Douche Dan. Dan the no, Douche. It's the Dark Detective Dan. No. And <laughs> while I honestly find Darker Dan quite sexy, I also worry for him because this is gonna spiral. This is gonna be bad for him, for Trixie, for everyone around him. And this is going to be very, very unhealthy. But actually, I think Dan has not processed what happened to Charlotte mm -hmm. and he needs to hit bottom mm -hmm. before he actually is going to start the healing process because he stopped doing improv. He is not communicating. He is not talking about any of this. And so... He needs to spiral. And the earlier he begins the spiraling, the quicker he's going to hit rock bottom and the quicker he can start healing again. So go, Darker Dan! Go, Dirty Dan! See, I feel like we've seen him do this before. We've seen him go completely broken, destroyed, and then and only then he risen to our expectation over our expectations and became the Dan that we loved. So, yes, I agree with you. But also, is it just me or did Mace... So, Mace says Dark Dan will get you real far. Is it her saying that he's... That Dark Dan is gonna get him to hell? I've read it more as an enjoyment factor. <laughs> but you might not be wrong. <laughs> but also, this was the instant where I was like, please don't let them fuck. No. Yeah, I feel you. Like, I adore them hanging out and beating up bad guys together and bad girls. Sorry, we need to include both. Bad people. Bad people together. But I don't want them to fuck. Yeah. Please yeah. Let's just blaze through the beginning of this scene where we just see something that I want to unseen and never will be able to unseen. Um, it's the implation again. And, um, and Ella's analysis <laughs> of that. That was so good. I'm never having come up again. Then I had the moment where I already realized there was something happening with the mirror. Lucifer kind of grabs the vase and there is this beautiful moment of him and Chloe kind of putting it together at the same time and each of them reacting their own way. And it was just so fun to watch. Yeah, because they're in sync in this moment. Mm -hmm. And it was beautiful. Like, this is how you're supposed to work. Yeah, just have a fucking conversation. So I was extremely excited about breaking the mirror. Then we have the two... And Ella, there. this is still an active crime scene. <laughs> Never, Never mind. mind. And just giving her the paper with the information. <gasps> oh, like, so good. Whoops. And the revelation. We learn that the church owns or rents this place. Mm -hmm. And, oh no, who could have seen this coming? Yeah, right. And then Chloe says something that, again, puts me into my annoyed and angry brain, which she says to Lucifer, trust me. And I can't believe she said that. But I understand where she's coming from. I know where she's coming from. I get it. But also, like, she is literally trying to convince the most untrusting man 
in the universe to trust her directly after he caught her in a lie and a betrayal. But it also speaks for the fact that she is actively trying to protect him. Well, yeah, but in this moment, and I'm glad that this is what it resolves to, he's not gonna believe her or trust her in any way unless she will do something. He does trust her. He lets her do her thing. He goes home and she arrests Kinley. Oh, does he? I thought that he just left because he didn't want to talk to her again. She said, let me do this. I need you to trust me. You might be in danger. I'm gonna handle this. And he fucks off home and she deals with it. See, that's the thing. I completely missed the bit where she's like, let me do this. Don't get involved. I was like, she's gonna tell him to trust her and hope that he's gonna come with her or whatever. And he just leaves her behind and goes sulk in whiskey. That was my perception of the situation. And I am sorry I was wrong, apparently. Maybe I read it too positively. But anyway, it ends with the fact that she is going to the church where before she shows up, we learn that Kinley is on his own with his Lucifer is real and the devil incarnate and everything and the other priest is not just not on board but quite honestly horrified by what Kinley did Mm -hmm. and so Chloe shows up obviously Kinley is like expecting her to take his side which is I mean it's a classic one way look fanatic approach Mm -hmm. I actually really adore the fact that she arrests Kinley and he goes like, oh, you have no evidence on me. And the other priest goes, yeah, no worries. I'm going to testify to everything. Like, we got this. And I was like, yes, good man. (laughs) Yeah. Not all priests suck. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Jesus, that's just so bad. Like, because we get the explanation that, and something that has been alluded to earlier as well, we get the explanation that these two went off the path and hence deserved to be murdered or whatever, righteousness, blah, blah. They didn't go off the path. And that's the thing, because we know that at least Susan Structus was negative even last week. So we know that she did not go back to using. So this is all just fabulated situation from Kinley that was passed along to whatever his name was, Salvatore person, Don. But the thing is, if Kinley told the head chair Mm -hmm. dude um, that those two lost their way, Mm -hmm. which he would only be able to know from confession, which he cannot share... Which alone already, if you listen to my devils in the details, would be enough reason to excommunicate him. Yes. (laughs) Or he just made it up. That is also an option. But even if it was real, he would have broken. Yeah, if we entertain the idea of this being a real thing, he shouldn't have. He would not have been able to share it. So on so many layers, he is collecting excommunication offenses. (sighs) that we're gonna talk about in the jail scene but before that we go to a women's clinic a gynecologist something oh obgyn it's um, okay sorry i've just watched too many medical shows i know exactly what the obgyn is perfect (sighs) and linda is sitting there looking nervous as hell and amenadiel comes in and he proposes Mm -hmm. and i'm like he does it in the most awkward way it's so funny it's so amenadiel it's so in character it feels like he googled what to do if you get a girl pregnant he most definitely did because that also was in 
Like when you look at the books that he collected mm -hmm. in the previous scene. I really have to say Linda handles this in the most best way possible. First, thank fuck she says no. Yeah. <laughs> But also the way she does it is really, really good. I mean, Amanadiel is very much himself. He cares. He shoots beyond the actual goal. But his heart is in the right place. He just doesn't know how to express it. Yeah. How to handle it. He doesn't have the playbook, basically. When she sits him down next to her and he basically goes like, what What can I do? What do I need? And she finally says what she needs, which is, I just need someone to tell me that all is going to be all right. And to take my hand and tell me that all is going to be okay. And Amenadiel takes her hand looks her in the eye everything is going to be okay yeah and this is peak amenadiel this is the amenadiel that i want to see and so i'm really really happy that this is where the episode brings us with amenadiel mm -hmm. i'm happy that linda finally opened her mouth mm -hmm. because that was making me really really angry i'm quite curious how this is gonna play out i'm Still having issues, but not as many as I had before. And so I'm going to try to keep an even more open mind. Good. No, this was a perfect comical relief of this episode. That's true. This whole proposal thing. This is exactly what you just said. It's perfect. It's so Amanadiel. He literally looked up what to do because he had zero idea. He doesn't have anybody, any connections currently who can help him with a situation like that. Because everybody he knows and is currently talking to him is a celestial. So none of these people... Except that. Well, Dan is not talking to him currently. That is a... But anyway, yeah, like if we disregard Dan, he doesn't really have anybody... Everyone else does. <laughs> Sorry. Clearly, yeah. But yeah, he just doesn't have anybody to go to for advice because they don't have the experience. And when Linda tells him, I need you to do this, he immediately goes and does it and it's sweet it's beautiful it's a really nice moment and it doesn't mean most importantly it doesn't mean they're getting back together it just means that I would hate she that. finally found a way to include him in what is happening and she finally found a way to be okay with him being involved which i this is my perception i'm not 100 sure how you're gonna see that but like this is what i saw that and it just made me very happy I didn't see it as her finding a way to be okay with Aim's involvement or finding a way to include him. I saw this as her finally being able to verbalize what she needs. Yeah. She doesn't need someone to ask her questions. She doesn't need someone to paint all the either Bloody horrible pictures. or amazing <laughs> or also not the amazing yeah. picture. She doesn't need any picture. She just needs someone to tell her it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Nothing else. Just pure support. Yep. And she wasn't able to verbalize that before and now she's finally able to verbalize it and seriously She couldn't have said it to a better person. Yeah. Like, this is the perfect match. Yes, perfect. So, yeah. So, we go to the penthouse. I will get one thing out of the way. We get a song that starts playing about halfway through the scene and then continues through the whole uh, Kinley prison situation. Oh, and okay. it is by our beloved clergy. It's called World on Fire. So, it just fits really, really well. It's a Classic clergy. Now, about what's happening in this scene. I was really, really happy that they started talking. Same. It was such a relief 
to see Chloe expressing her feelings and him listening. Now, what happens there? And I'm gonna just say it from my side and then you can tell me what you think because I am pretty sure that we have a little bit of a different view on this. I think that Lucifer is asking too much of Chloe by telling her I have my answer, by expecting her to accept his devil face out of nowhere, just showing her all of these things are very intense and he is asking a lot. However, he is in a constant pain when it comes to Chloe. And I see this moment as him trying to break free from the pattern they've been going through over and over and over again. Because what she says is not, I will be okay with it eventually, just give me time. She says, I don't know if I ever will be able to accept you for who you are. And this is so difficult to hear. Because yes, there is hope. But if you're gonna hold on to hope, you're gonna spend possibly infinity of time in pain. Because that moment may never come. And I actually am happy that Lucifer, even though he is overreacting and putting her, putting a lot of pressure and it feels like an ultimatum, which, you know, I'm not a huge fan of, he puts this pressure on her and she is honest with him. I really hope they're gonna work through it, but right now he needed to let her go. And she knows it as well, I think. It feels like she accepts that she might never be able to work through this, but she will try, regardless of them maybe not being a couple ever. It feels like the decision needed to be done and it has been. So that is how I view this moment. And I do agree with a lot of things and I would agree with everything if it weren't for the fact that she was actively trying to change him and tells him that he can be better, that he can be different. If it wasn't for that fact, I would be 100% in agreement with you. This way I'm only 80%, I think. Ish. Because yeah, I forget about that, actually. I agree with you that this is extremely harsh by Lucifer, but it was also necessary. Because if she cannot accept him the way he is, which he made very explicit, she is the only relevant person to accept him as he is because he doesn't accept himself. He needs to break away. He needs to break free from this entire thing. And at the same time, it is completely understandable that Chloe cannot say anything except I don't know, which is the most honest answer. So it is kind of hypocritical of Lucifer to demand honesty and then use her honesty as then I have my answer, implying that she will never be able to, which she didn't say. She said, I don't know. Although, sorry, I do think that because she was honest so much in this moment, it gives us some wiggle room in the future for their possible reconciliation. I don't know, that's just something that came to me now. But like you said, there was no other way. This is the only way how this can play out in this moment. He had to pull out the devil face, which her reaction was surprisingly mellow, I have to say. And she had to say, I don't know. I expect him to regret his reaction to her honesty. And I expect her to kind of quickly come to the realization that it's not I don't know but actually I think I will mm. so this is my expectation for those two sides of the conversation the one thing I want to point out here is that this is peak performance of Lauren Jerome oh it's beautiful it's so good 
I have been praising her the entire two episodes, but this scene is fucking peak performance. And I think she kills it more than Tom Ellis does, which is a rare occurrence. Mm -hmm. But her breaking down and her performance when she gets more and more emotional and vulnerable and honest about her feelings. And then this whole monologue of her climaxes in the teary confession that she's terrified of him. And yes, of course, it is incredibly painful for Lucifer. But also, this is what he expected as reaction initially. Yeah. And then she collects herself again and Lauren German does this flip around again because it begins with, oh, you can be better. And then it builds up to the confession and then she gathers herself up again. And so this performance by Lauren German, wow, just wow. It is amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I really, really wanted to point this out. I'm curious where we're going with this. Also, the scene was very, very well done. I liked the dialogue. I liked the directing. I liked the camera, everything about this setting was great this is the quality i'm used to this is the quality i'm demanding and sadly this is the last scene with chloe and lucifer for this episode which is unusual because we have two more scenes to go through yeah and i don't think we ever had this that the two last scenes are without any of our relevant cast because the penultimate scene of course brings us to jail where kinley is apparently kneeling and praying then the other priests Actually, uh, Kinley refers to him as Excellency, so I assume he's a bishop mm-hmm. because he has to be higher. He doesn't have any... S- but he has to be higher than a normal priest. Yeah. My knowledge of the hierarchy in the Catholic Church is not that good. I have to read up on it. Mm. So maybe he's a higher priest or a high priest or something, but Kinley <laughs> calls him Excellency. Yeah. I think his name never gets mentioned, but it's shown in the Amazon credits. And I think his name is Hoffman. And Father Hoffman tells him that Kinley has been excommunicated by the Vatican. Mm -hmm. So if you want to know more about what excommunication actually means and why this is not a permanent solution, you need to listen to my devils in the details. Also, there is a good question being posed because Hoffman goes, even if the prophecy is true, how do you think this is Chloe? First, we need to say the prophecy because they finally word the prophecy for us. And it goes, when the devil walks the earth and finds his first love, evil shall be released. And now we can debate the very good question that Hoffman I think so yeah. has posed and that is how does Kinley know that Chloe is his first love because is she and Kinley basically goes who else could it be so the question that we would have to ask ourselves is did the devil never love before mm-hmm. and so of course looking at lore depending on which lore you look into there are options mm-hmm. If you listen to us since the beginning and you listen to even the short versions of The Devils in the Details long before we had that. I don't know. Did I ever talk about Lilith? I in think the that Christian you mentioned sense? her in passing as a part so, of something else. In theory, the devil and Lilith created demons and monsters. So Lilith might be a potential first lover. Mm-hmm. Looking at that, especially when you look at other popular culture shows like Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yeah. That is where they do that. The question is, is it a love or is it a lover? They well, do the say love. says love. But the thing is, 
everyone who has watched this show, from the way Mace and Amenadiel react to Lucifer's reaction to Chloe, it is very obvious that this is something they have never seen or witnessed before. So it is highly unlikely that there has been anyone else. However, the way they set up the last scene, it is obvious. Yeah. We get the whole, uh, is she really the first love and whatever. And our last song of the episode starts to play called Glory Box by Portishead. Which is The Devils in the Music for this episode. It is a very interesting song. Definitely recommend listening to that. And we all go over to Lux and we watch an actress called Inbar Lobby wall into Lux to the bar. In a very white dress. In a very white dress. Looking like she doesn't really belong. Ordering an apple. Teeny. The way this is set up, it's clearly an implication of herself being, in some sort of way, related to Lucifer's first love. To wrap this episode up, I can't say it often enough. Lauren German fucking kills this season. I am thoroughly enjoying the Lucifer Chloe plot, which in the past three seasons never was my main interest. Season four is making a true Decker Star shipper out of me. I still hate the name, but I do love the ship. Yay! It's a little victory, Selena. Like I said before, Kinley is my favorite villain so far. I truly hope that he will find a way to get out of jail and fuck things up some more. He is perfect to hate and I really hope we get to meet the actor at some convention at some point because I kind of want to tell him how amazing as a villain he is. I worry for Dan. He is going dark side and this won't go well. Mace in my opinion should know better after her years on earth and especially her friendship with Linda than to enable him or anyone this much but I guess we're going with the once a demon always a demon story for that which I'm not a fan of and that is actually taking away her return to my top three. I said so repeatedly, but I don't understand why Amenadiel is not talking to Dan or not even trying to talk to Dan about the whole father situation. And I'm quite annoyed that this friendship is being glossed over in this way. I get it from a narrative point of view because we can't have dark Dan otherwise, but I actually would prefer to have Amenadiel and Dan friendship over dark side then and enabler mace i'm surprised by how terrified of the pregnancy linda seemed to me if she does not want the child why not abort it i'm also curious if there are going to give us more regarding the how did this even happen explanation than just the no wings more human <laughs> last but definitely not least i worry for ella the loss of her faith has been extremely hard on her and i'm sorry but her fucking friends should fucking care about <laughs> her fucking more and i'm upset with all of them yep they're all so wrapped up in their own bullshit that they're not taking time to care and to engage and i hate it but that being said i fucking love this season i have so many emotions and i have questions and i'm just so fucking involved in the entire plot i fucking love it it's amazing i want more there is so much happening they did start a new thing and i was gonna point it out during the episode but decided to leave it to my final thoughts instead they resolve the plot for the episode as they usually do they give us 
the emotional baggage, as they usually do. But then they add on an intrigue for the next episode, which were the last two scenes. And they did a similar thing, I believe, in episode two as well, where they kind of had Chloe told of Kinley and then he approaches Lucifer. More cliffhangers, yeah. It wasn't as noticeable last time, but this time it was genuinely gut to the point when I noticed. So I am very glad that Kinley is at least partially out of commission for now. No! I am extremely <laughs> glad because, sorry, the anxiety. The anxiety was... <sighs> <laughs> I am extremely glad that Lucifer and Chloe finally had an honest talk and we've talked very in detail about that. I am very much interested in what's gonna happen with Dan because this is not a great path he's heading down. Even though I do enjoy him being paired off with Mace because it was just fun. You said it all. It was fun. Speaking of Mace, it is so funny to me how she's handling Linda's pregnancy. It's uh, I live for that. And then it feels like she... Well, it feels like everybody is handling the pregnancy better than Linda herself. So, you know, fun. And then we have Ella. I genuinely hope that they're going to resolve the church thing very soon. Faith thing. Faith thing. Sorry. Faith thing. Very soon. Because when Ella hurts, I hurt. I just don't want to see her suffering so much. So except, and this is, I wrote this before I realized how irritated I was by the whole <laughs> Lucifer Chloe situation. So except for the vileness, which at this stage I went back and actually saw what happened to the vile, but it still doesn't really make sense to me. I loved this episode. There is no filler in sight and you know there's no surprise there because season four only has 10 episodes and with this we say thank you for listening please find us on our various social media we love interacting with you either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com if you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive discord server you can join our patreon over at patreon.com slash taot podcast we have a whole bunch of different rewards such as early release merch and hours of bonus content yes hours. If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really help. Or telling all your friends about us, because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank Thank you! you. Bye. Bye!